Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio.
rested from suffering free. Angels came down o'er his tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the hopeless, my Savior is he. sins far away feel more than rising. rising he's justified my freedom forever oh, one day one day he's coming oh that glorious day well child one day one day the grave could conceal him no longer well, child, one, day. one day the stone rolled away from the door then he arose over death he had conquered now is ascended my lord evermore living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away more than rising he's justified my freedom forever one day he's coming oh that glorious day one day one day he's coming oh that glorious day one day one day he's coming oh that glorious day living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away more than rising he's justified my freedom forever One day he's coming, oh, that glorious day. One day. One day he's coming, oh, that glorious day. One day. One day he's coming, oh, that glorious day.
hold your broken body and drink your bitter cup. Help me realize the depth of your redeeming love. And for all the sin in me, any sin at all, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Songs of Praise endeavors to draw your heart mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Yeah. 
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me.
is calling, calling, oh sinner, come Psalm 145, verses 2 and 3. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable.
To Songs of Praise, a production of Threbin Australia Radio. You are listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. Today, we are continuing with the book Deeply Esteemed The Life and Ministry of H.C.K. Harker. The reader is Dr. Barry Harker, the author and also the grandson of Pastor Harold Harker, the subject of the book. Here is our reader. Continuing Chapter 12, A Good Advertisement We left Harold at his tent mission in Horsham. One of the local ministers had spoken against the mission and warned his congregation against attending. This was a good advertisement, apparently, because most of his congregation swelled the audience on the first Sunday evening. Continuing the story now. Opposition intensified to the mission and one night a large stone was thrown, striking Harold on the shoulder. The police were called but the offender was never apprehended. The ambulance was also called but apart from bruising Harold was not injured. Police attended for a few nights to ensure that there were no further incidents. Harold was not intimidated. The stone throwing incident recalled a story from the first Melbourne camp meeting in Brighton, Melbourne, in January 1894. After Sister White spoke on the second coming of the Sabbath, larrikins began to throw stones at the tents from several directions. The head of camp security discovered that Sister White's tent was the next target. A request to the state police in Melbourne resulted in the arrival of a sturdy Irish constable. Sister White heard the reports of what the disruptive elements planned. She assured her informants that her guardian angel was with her and retired for the night. The constable remained at his post near the tent and soon after midnight a mysterious light began to form over the tent 
and a silver angel appeared in the misty light. After watching awestruck for a while and convinced that he was not needed any longer, this constable returned to his police station. His colleagues were curious and his sergeant wanted to know why he had left his post. He told them, I don't think you will believe me, but I'll tell you just the same. His story was believed. The experience was enough to bring this man back to the remaining meetings at the Brighton campground, and he fully accepted the Adventist message. He took his family to the Victorian countryside where he lived out his days as a faithful church member. Harold took Raymond with him when he went into Horsham one day. The Commissioner of Railways, Mr Clapp, was responsible for having a big sign put up, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Harold read it to Raymond. Not long after, Anne was peeling apples and Raymond was begging for slices to eat. After giving Raymond some slices, Anne told him that he had enough. Raymond said to Anne, Well, Daddy said the big notice said, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Anne relented. So Raymond added, And it said, Put all the apples in your belly you can and then you'll be well. Harold celebrated his 50th birthday on December 12, 1927. He had been in denominational employment since 1897 in Christchurch, New Zealand, a period of 30 years. He had answered every call to work that he had received and moved his family constantly to do the work that he felt called to do. His ambition was to preach and teach the gospel. There was no higher calling that he recognised for his life. The Victorian camp meeting convened at Victoria Park in Ballarat from December 20, 1927 to January 1, 1928. Harold took Laura and Winifred to the camp and Pastor Albert Piper was there. Harold and Albert travelled from New Zealand to attend Avondale College in 1899. Albert asked Harold what Winifred was doing and Harold told him that she had been taking shorthand and typing lessons and hoped to get a position in an office. After returning home, Winifred received the letter inviting her to take a position as a stenographer at the Sydney Sanitarium. On the last morning of the Victorian camp meeting in the Ballarat Church, Harold baptised 25 candidates. Despite the intense opposition, he had experienced marvellous success. At the camp meeting, Harold was reappointed to Horsham for 1928 and he returned home encouraged by the results of his labours. He was to be assisted by Nurse Grolamond and Brother G. Jones at a new tent mission in the Horsham area. On May 28, the Signs of the Times published a piece by Harold in the section entitled My Favourite Text. It is noteworthy for giving a clear insight into his inner life and the source of his strength when facing difficulties and opposition. The text that Harold selected was Psalm 27.14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Harold wrote, How often in the conflict, when pressed by the foe, when things seemed to be going wrong, when the work was going hard, when my own soul was bowed down with sin, when it seemed I would never gain the victory over some strong temptation, and I have felt that I had grieved my Lord so many times I might as well give up, those beautiful words have come to my soul. Wait on the Lord. I have waited in humility of heart before my God, have poured out my soul before him. I can say with the sweet singer of Israel, he inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
so I know it pays to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Then note the second clause in the text. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Praise the Lord. He has never failed me. My heart has been strengthened for the conflict and I have, by his grace, been able to go forward with renewed courage and press the battle to the gates. He giveth power to the faint, and to them who have no might he increaseth strength. Because of the encouragement I have received from this text, I would say to every discouraged soul, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How oft in the conflict when pressed by the foe I have fled to my refuge and breathed out my woe. How often when trials like sea billows roll have I hidden in thee, O thou rock of my soul. Harold continued his work into August, but he was becoming very tired and he realised that it was necessary to take a few weeks rest. Brother Max Grolleman returned to Horsham from Seymour to replace Harold. In late August, the Australasian Union Conference Council decided to request the Victorian Conference to release Harold to connect with the South New South Wales Conference for pastoral work. At the close of the South New South Wales Conference and Camp Meeting, which convened at Lidcombe Park, Sydney, 11 to 21 October 1928, it was confirmed that Harold would engage in pastoral work at Stanmore Church in Sydney. After six years in country Victoria, Harold was returning to city work. Chapter 13, Impression of a Dream The family moved to the suburb of Cabarita in Sydney as 1928 was drawing to a close. The house at 15 Stamford Avenue was close to the Fredrickson family, who lived beside Hen and Chicken Bay on Sydney Harbour. Hen and Chicken Bay was on the south side of the harbour and west of the city centre. Mr Fredrickson fenced off a section of the bay as a swimming pool. The Harker family was invited to swim there during the summer and to sail in the Fredrickson's small sailing boat. One of the Fredrickson children, Wall, had a little old automobile that kept Stanford and Eric busy. They helped him push it up a nearby hill, and upon reaching the top, they all jumped in and took turns steering it down the hill. Harold wasted no time in organising the church for missionary activity in the new year. He worked with the Stanmore Missionary Volunteers, the Youth Society, to distribute magazines to Sydney's visiting ships. A layman's tent mission was organised for Leichhardt, two suburbs to the north of Stanmore. Harold was assisted by brother Arthur Shannon. By July, eight people made the decision to be baptised and there were six more on the verge of this decision. Others were interested. One evening at the Leichhardt tent mission, a lady and her teenage son stayed behind after the meeting. The lady asked if she could talk to Harold. She and her son had read in the Bible, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. James 5:14 and 15. 
The young man suffered from epilepsy and could not hold a job because of it. His mother requested that Harold anoint her son in accordance with Scripture. Harold talked with them and then did as they requested, praying for the boy's healing according to their faith in God. When the opportunity came to move closer to the Stanmore Church in mid-year, Harold moved the family to Lewisham, two suburbs to the west of Stanmore. It was here that Harold had an amazing experience which revealed that God had reasons for placing Harold in Lewisham beyond mere convenience. Harold wrote up the experience which was published in the Australasian Record, September 23, 1929, under the title, The Impression of a Dream. About two months ago, a gang of over 200 men were laying heavy voltage cables underground along the road just outside our house. As I was watching them one day, a motor car pulled up on the corner of the street and I noticed the men put down their tools and walked toward the car. I concluded it must be payday, for as each man went up to the car, I noticed he was given a closed envelope. I watched the men take their envelopes, open them, and take out several new pound notes and some silver the notes invariably being put into one pocket, the silver into another. Opposite where the car stood was a large hotel, and a number of the men went in. I felt I wanted to go and stop them, for it was the middle of winter, work had been scarce, and I knew by reports that there was a lot of poverty about. I just felt I wanted to go over and ask the men to let me take their wages straight home to their wives, but I knew that would not do. I went home wondering what I could do to help them. That same night I had a dream. The burden of it was, God is depending on you to give those men the message while they are near your door. So impressive was the dream that I immediately arose and dressed. It was 4am. Going to my study, I knelt down and told the Lord that I accepted the responsibility, but that I must have a definite message to give them, one that would appeal to them. My prayer was immediately answered. I was to take two of my charts the mystic ladders and the world lost in sin, and speak to them, making an appeal to them to commence the ascent of this wonderful ladder to heaven. At lunch hour the next day I went across to where the men were eating their dinner and gave them each a copy of the signs of the times to read, and as I did so, I told them that I planned to address them the next day at the same hour. Next day I took my chart stand and charts to the corner of the street and after allowing them time to eat their lunch, I spoke to them for 20 minutes. They gave me a most attentive hearing. While I was addressing them, several vehicles passed and some of the occupants called out. These were silenced by the men and told to move on. Before finishing my first address, I had about 20 or more children around the chart, and as I was addressing the men on both sides of the road, the breeze that was blowing would turn my chart around so all could see it. I continued these meetings as long as the men were in my street. I spoke on Daniel 2, the signs of Christ's coming, capital versus labour, and the need of a preparation to meet Jesus. At the close of each meeting, a number of men would thank me and ask for more literature. Some said they had never heard such a grand solution to the capital and labour question. I felt as I spoke to these men that Jesus loved them, and there were some hearts among them I felt sure were being impressed to be continued next week. Don't forget to tune in next time for the next chapter of Deeply Esteemed, the life and ministry of H.C.K. Harker.
If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3ABN Australia dot Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc. PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Approximately half of the psalms were written by David, and this is another one of his psalms. Psalm 15, and the subject for this psalm is Those Who May Live with the Lord. Lord, who may live in your dwelling place, and who may abide in your great heaven? Only they who live an upright life, who do righteous deeds and who speak the truth in all they say. Only they who are not slanderous in their words, who commit no wrong against their neighbours nor would ever think of hurting a friend. Only they who shun a despicable person, honouring those who reverence the Lord, who is true to their word, though they suffer for it. Such a person makes a loan, not expecting any gain, and does not accept a bribe to advance their cause. Such a person shall stand firm before the Lord.'" 